0: Welcome to the Imagine Alaba podcast, bringing Scotland to you, where we explore its fascinating history, spectacular landscapes, and vibrant culture. Join us for our virtual journey across Scotland as we Imagine Alaba. Hello, I'm your host, Michelle. I'm a journalist, archaeologist, and tour guide living in beautiful Argyle. When you think of important prehistoric landscapes in the British Isles, what first comes to mind? Stonehenge, Avebury, Newgrange, Orkney, there's certainly no shortage, it's archaeology heaven over here. But one of the most significant archaeological landscapes in Britain is one that you may not have even heard of. It's centered on a small village in a small glen in the heart of Argyll called Kilmartin. Blink and you might miss it. But it's ground zero for the highest concentration of Neolithic and Bronze Age remains in Scotland. There are around 800 ancient monuments in these few square miles, from megaliths older than the Egyptian pyramids to mystical stone circles to one of the most impressive sets of rock carvings in Europe. And listeners, that's not all. There are also the remains of a massive hill fort that was likely the capital of the first people. ...that we can recognizably call the Scots. Kilmartin has been catnip for antiquarians and archaeologists since the early 1900s... ...and astonishing discoveries of features and artifacts continue up to the present day. In this episode, we'll visit Kilmartin and travel through a potted history of more than 5,000 years in a few minutes. We'll meet Neolithic farmers, medieval warlords, legendary saints, Victorian lairds, and a modern community who are deeply connected to their land, just as their ancestors were. So join us as we Imagine Kilmartin. Imagine, if you will, the southwest highlands and islands of Scotland, five or six thousand years ago. Gently warmed by the Gulf Stream, Midargyle would have been more pleasant weatherwise than it is today, which, truth be told, actually isn't bad for the West Coast. With fertile soils, abundant fishing, and seemingly endless supply of fine Caledonian timber, it was quite an attractive spot for the upwardly mobile hunter-gatherer looking to settle down to that newfangled farming thing. And when people settle down, they want to make their mark, make a big statement. One that says, this land is my land, this land is not your land. One way to do that is to put down roots, to plant not only your crops in the earth, but your ancestors under elaborate and permanent monuments. This is how Kilmartin, mind you, that's the modern name of the village, the Kirk actually, probably began, as a ritual site of a different kind a special place central to those living north of the coast, south down the Kintyre Peninsula, and west to the inner Hebrides in Ireland, where communities that were normally isolated and spread thinly over the landscape could gather at certain times of the year for worship, for fellowship, for trade, and for burying their dead. During the Neolithic, we're talking about five to 6,000 years ago, a new kind of burial monument started to appear across the Celtic-speaking world and beyond. To help explain, here's Rab with the Scots Word of the Day.
1: Hello, this is Rab with the Scots Word of the Day. Today's word is cairn. A Cairn is a heap of stone, specifically occurring in Scotland and other parts of Britain, Though you find them all over the world, the word is related to the Scots Gaelic cairn, being a heap of stones or rocky hill. For at least 5,000 years, people here have been erecting cairns. The earliest that survive are large burial monuments, but they have been used to mark trails, dangerous spots or buried caches as well. It was a Highland tradition for each man to put a stone in a pile before a battle. Those who survived removed the stone, and those remaining were built into a memorial cairn. Cairns also marked coffin routes or corpse roads, which were used by funeral cottages Each bearer would add a stone to the pile as they proceeded to the graveyard. There is a traditional scots Gaelic blessing, which means I'll put a stone on your cairn. Today, hikers carry on the tradition of carrying a stone from the bottom of a hill or mountain to place on a cairn at its top. I recently climbed Ben Nevis without a stone, and there were several cairns on the way up, including a large one at the summit. You can find photos of various types of cairns on our website at imaginealba.com And that's your Scots Word of the Day.
0: Now that we know what they are, let's check cairns. As you approach Kilmartin Glen from the north, you first notice a line of five large cairns running over two kilometers through the axis of the glen, each the, well, size of a car or larger, and made up of various size rocks. This is called the Linear Cemetery, and it's the only one of its kind in Britain. The oldest, Nether Largy South Cairn, its chamber nearly 6 meters long, was started about 5,000 years ago, and the others were added over the millennia. Each cairn would have held several bodies, all stacked up on top of each other, and the burials dated over many generations. We don't know exactly who was buried here, but it's safe to say such an effort would be reserved for the VIPs of prehistoric society. If you go today, you can actually go inside the now-empty cairn, They were built for people to go inside, presumably to visit their deceased loved ones and ancestors. Netherlogy South is the oldest of the Cairns, but it's not the most exciting, not anymore. That honor goes to Duncragic, where just last year were discovered Scotland's earliest known animal carvings. This art dates to around 5,000 years ago. It's a lovely cheeky herd of red deer. Deer were valuable as sources of meat and hides, plus buns and antlers for making tools, Maybe the deer represented the totem of a local clan. At any rate, these carvings prove that Kilmartin will probably never run out of astounding things to tell us about our past. Next on our tour of Kilmartin Glen are the evocative standing stones. There are several alignments and individual stones in the area, but the most famous are the Templewood Stone Circles and Largy Standing Stones. Templewood Wood is the modern name, named by the 19th century landowner, Sir John Malcolm, who planted a grove of trees on the site to make it look more romantic. And it does. Ancient monuments like this were very trendy in the Victorian era, and the Malcolm boys apparently liked to take ladies on carriage rides through the Glen.
1: Greetings, mush. Would you like to see my standing stones?
0: The South Circle was first constructed about 5,500 years ago and was in use as a ritual and funeral site for about 2,000 years. It was built in stages. Originally it consisted of about 22 standing stones in a circle 12 meters diameter. And over the years cobbles were added and later a small burial cairn placed in the middle. Today only 13 stones remain each ranging from about a meter to a meter and a half in height. A few steps away, the north circle is smaller, and the only features left are a central stone and one stone at the edge of the circle. Archaeologists think this was originally a timber circle, and possibly there was an astronomical alignment here at one time. They have found grave goods here, but no human remains except for a single tooth. Across the paddock on a larger site, sharing it with a flock of sheep, nether-largy standing stones are a bit more impressive up to 2.85 meters high, and some sport mysterious carvings. Built in the Bronze Age, so about 3,000 years ago, the arrangement consists of five stones in a bit of an X shape, not a circle, and there are several smaller stone slabs extant. So what was this used for? According to one leading theory, it could have been an astronomical observatory. It's said that the stones line up with where the moon rises and sets on a particular day called the lunar standstill, in a cycle that happens every 18.6 years. So don't get the idea that these prehistoric Scots were barbarians by any means. They were sophisticated mathematicians, astronomers, and builders. According to local lore, if you touch the stones, you'll be sucked back in time into the arms of a hunky Highlander. (laughs) Jokes. Actually, it's apparently lucky to camp near the stones, but unlucky to touch them. As we move down the country lane, we come to the Achnebrek rock art. Now, when I say rock art, I don't mean a groovy poster of Jimi Hendrix. I'm talking about intricate and mysterious abstract motifs and designs packed into the exposed bedrock. There are lots of what archaeologists call cup and ring marks. Here you'll notice sets of concentric circles, spirals, parallel grooves, and stars. You see this type of art distributed across northern and western Britain, down the Atlantic seaboard, into France, Spain, and Portugal. But the group at Achnobreck is the finest in Britain, and one of the best in all Europe. It appears as if some of the standing stones erected nearby were carved out of bedrock like this, and it was possibly already decorated. Were these forms of communication? Were they marking sacred spaces? Is it astronomy or pure art? Or, as one scholar has suggested, ancient homework? We just don't know. It's yet another fascinating mystery of Kilmartin Glen. Last stop on our time travel itinerary is the mighty fortress of the Scots, Dunad. So let's fast forward to the 7th century. Kilmartin is a VIP, very important place. We could do an entire episode on Dunad, and we may well. But for now, let's just say the wealth on display here 1,500 years ago would have been gobsmacking by any standards. And the headquarters for all that glittered was the mighty citadel of Dunad, looming dramatically 180 feet high. From the sixth century, this was likely the capital of a powerful Gallic seafaring kingdom that straddled both Argyll and Ireland. Keep in mind, Argyll means coast of the Gaels, and Ireland is just a short sail away. The sea actually came up to Dunad at the time, so it was easy for them to travel around the known world, and they did. The Romans called these Gallic sea warriors the Scotti, and that is ultimately where we get the name for Scotland. So we can say that the first kingdom of what recognizably could be called the Scots was likely based at Dunad. While the Romans never invaded as far as Argyll, the Scots developed a sophisticated material culture all on their own. Dunadd was a center for finely crafted jewelry and artistic innovations. Their economy was at least as advanced as that of England at the time. Archaeologists have found evidence of luxury imports such as wine, dill and coriander, purple dyes, and ink pigments. St. Columba is associated with Dunad and may have participated in the crowning ceremony for its kings. And speaking of crowning kings, at the top of Dunad is the legendary first Scottish inauguration stone. On a natural outcropping is this carved footprint – And it's thought that the king may have placed his foot here to symbolize his joining to the land. The size 9 print survives to this day, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. To protect it from visitors, in the 1980s, Historic Environment Scotland installed a synthetic replica on top of the original, like a mask. And after the grass grew over the sides, it's nigh impossible to tell it's a fake. Anyway, if you ever get the chance to visit, I recommend you make the scramble up to the top. The views are fantastic, and you can put your own foot in that fake kingstone, knowing that you're not harming a precious piece of Scotland's history. Today, Kilmartin is off the beaten path. They don't call it Argyle's secret coast for nothing. Besides the odd tour bus, you don't exactly get droves of tourists to the area. Let's put it this way, if you visit, you'll see more sheep than people. But don't miss a visit to Kilmartin Museum, located in the village. It's a state-of-the-art facility showcasing fascinating displays and artifacts from the area. It's currently undergoing a multi-million pound renovation, set to reopen in 2023. The museum's fantastic staff sponsors archaeology projects, guided walks, educational outreach and lectures, and the cafe makes a mean scone. You can find out more at killmartin.org. Reverence for and connection with the land is not something just from the mist of time in a museum, though. The locals still tend to be farmers and fishers, and as such, they still have a deep relationship to the land and the sea and their local myths. We went to an Autumn Equinox Harvest Festival at Temple Wood just a couple of years ago. There was fire dancing and storytelling, steaming cups of Ribena. The local schoolchildren put on a singing program in Gaelic and had made banners with scenes from Gaelic mythology. I expect that if the ancestors were to magically pass through the stones and happen upon this scene, they would probably feel right at home. Hope you enjoyed our tour of Kilmartin today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Imagine Alba podcast wherever you listen. And visit imaginealbacom podcast for extras and photos. And we invite you to join us across social media and YouTube. You can also find out more about our private guided walking and driving tours of the West Highlands, including Kilmartin. All the music was played by us, so if you like what you hear, help support the podcast by downloading your favorite tunes for a pound each, available on the podcast page. This is Michelle for Rab and myself. Until next time, when we imagine Alaba.